Thanks for joining us on the King Law Podcast, where we give you a lawyer's perspective on anything legal. Or not. From criminal law, personal injury, and trending legal topics, we're your back pocket legal guide. All right. Um, I'm excited about this. So we found some fun little Reddit posts to ask, to ask you. Let's do it. And I think then we can talk about it. Okay. All right. First one is all right first one can a bouncer pat down only some people so for example men only or people wearing hoodies and not search the rest i would say the answer to that is yes it's a private establishment private establishment can have their own set of rules why can a bouncer pat you down at all Private establishment. If they if they say we want to make sure our place is safe, that's our rule. You want to come in, we're gonna we're make gonna make sure. sure that you're safe. Now, I think the exception to that is you can't racially profile. Okay. You can't or uh, gender profile though, right? Like you can't pat down women and ha- yeah, like. So gender is a funny women. one. Like, it, it, I don't Probably really understand. Not. I don't really understand the rules of gender so you can have clubs that don't allow women into them you can have clubs that don't allow men into them but that's the augusta national they didn't let women become members for for a long time i don't Mm -hmm. know where they stand with that right now but um definitely race religion um sexual orientation those are going to be protected classes you can't just search um people in that regard i don't think okay all right give me a good one okay that one's not a good one do the next one i like this one (laughs) Okay, next one. Killing the wrong person by mistake. There's a trope in a fiction where an offender tries to kill another person, especially by sabotage, but sometimes just by shooting without verifying identity, but inadvertently kills another instead, often an ally. Would such an offender be guilty of the homicide that occurred and the attempt, or only the one that occurred? If the the intended homicide was legally worse, example, like hate crime, a crime against a child, et cetera, would that intent impact how the homicide, which actually occurred, was prosecuted? That was a lot. That's a long... <laughs> Let's <laughs> break that down. Put that in front of you. I'm not exactly did. sure that I, I fully understand it. But, so, but, so if you intend to... So let's start with the beginning. We're talking yes. about, in New York State, murder in the second degree. Intend to cause the death of another mm-hmm. and cause the death of another. Okay. Those can be different people. I intend to shoot you, and you take the bullet and die. Actually, very common. Inner city, uh, we'll, half the people who are killed are not the intended target. Okay. Uh, that's intentional murder. You're intending to kill a person and kill a person. Regardless if it was the wrong person. Regardless. You're okay. intending to kill a person and kill a person. Okay. Uh, so that's murder in the second degree. Um, now... Murder in the second degree, what they're talking about is there's murder in the first degree. Usually it's multiple people. It can also be if you try to kill a first responder, fire, or police officer, the most common way to get to murder in the first degree or kind of like a mass shooting situation would be murder in the Mm -hmm. first degree. Um, It's an interesting question. I, I don't off the top of my head, know the answer. Is it an attempted murder of the other person and the murder, 
or do they merge? Um, generally, it's a lesser included of the same crime. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be a, a lesser included of the same crime, but I don't actually 100% know that off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, well, this is a fake scenario anyway, so yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then in any, in any crime, the scenario where I find it interesting. Is, is if, it legally worse? That's up to the judge. Right. So you have a you have a range on any crime, and murder is a little bit weird because you have life, what they call on the back end. So it's twenty five to life. So you can't get paroled for twenty five years and then to life. If you go so, if you want to go murder an innocent baby, that's probably worse than uh, drug dealer on drug dealer back and forth shooting of seven rounds, right? That's right. The, those are your kind of typical yes. things. And then that's going to be up to the judge um, where it becomes even more kind of interesting as to what the judge views as worth. Is there really a big difference between 20 to life or 25 to life? Probably not because you're still going to probably be in there for life. Uh, but if you're convicted of something like manslaughter in the first degree where the range is 5 to 25, uh, well, now what the judge thinks could be a huge difference. If they say, okay, yeah, you're guilty of manslaughter, I give you five. Mm -hmm. Or you're guilty of manslaughter, I give you 25. That's two decades difference. Mm -hmm. um, and that question becomes really relevant. Hmm. Well, that got morbid real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Let, let me lighten it up here. <laughs> um, all right, so this Reddit is, hey guys, laundromat in California, but let's pretend it's New York since or in New York. No, yeah, we don't do that. Um, the laundromat I used caught fire and it sounds like my clothes were inside. Uh, are we, the customers, going to have to file a claim with the business owner um, to get you know, money for new clothes or are we going to have to pay out of pocket to replace uh, the lost damages? Yeah, what I do think, you think? I think it's file a claim with the uh, business. Um, assuming guess it, they have insurance. Yeah, assuming they have insurance or even... What do you do when they don't have insurance? Uh, that, what do we do when people don't have insurance? It's a, a, a good question, right? Yeah. You pay out of pocket. Uh, or, or they pay out of pocket. Yeah. If they've been making money for a long time. The yeah. problem is when they're supposed to pay out of pocket, but there's nothing in their pocket, then yeah. you have a problem. Then you have right. a big problem. Uh, I feel like you could probably try and make a claim, right? Well, so the, the question kind of supposes, like, what did, did the laundromat do something wrong? that caused the fire, were they negligent in some way? Gotcha. You know, they, they take ownership of your clothes, mm -hmm. ideally to give them back to you. They're kind of having custody over your clothes for a period of time. Right, well, well, there's, I think there's the a you should be taking care of them. Sure, but I think there's a different scenario if they didn't have sufficient electrical and the place catches on fire, then you got a really great claim. If some jackass does an arson at the laundromat, well, maybe the, yeah. maybe the laundromat didn't do anything wrong. I'm so, just saying if I have a bunch of luxury clothes that amount to like 10 grand and they catch on fire, I would not be too happy. Well, you, you but in the same breath, why are you putting luxury clothes in a laundry mat? Well, okay, let's pretend <laughs> it was a dry cleaner. Dry cleaner. <laughs> okay, dry cleaner. <laughs> most most laundry mats I feel like have dry cleaning. But you know what you know what I mean? Like also the amount of loss I feel like might be significant. Like if you have luxury clothing. Well, that would there. If a dry cleaner lost all of the contents of the dry cleaner, you, I bet you'd be surprised of how much value that is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so I, I wear all my suits until they're all dirty and then I take them all, whatever, right. all, all the suits at once. Mm -hmm. So to replace, let's to assume all your suits. suits get 
Yeah, that's a good law. Yeah. Taken out by yeah. a fire. Yeah. Now what? Are you going to call that? <laughs> <and be like, laughs> is that what happened to you today? Yeah, there was, there okay. was a fire at the dry cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's the next one? Um, I accidentally gave Bob all, papers. all, all of them? the papers. Sorry. <laughs> okay, it's my turn. It is your turn. Okay, this person had a question about possible juror misconduct. I overheard a person state that they served as a juror on a murder trial sometime last week in my city. They stated that they had one juror who wouldn't budge on the verdict. They said the judge told them that they would have to come back during the weekend if they didn't reach a verdict. So the jurors decided to all change their verdicts to match the one person's who wouldn't budge to avoid coming in on the weekend. Is this considered misconduct? To me, it is. Uh, it's jurors are supposed to agree to deliberate and make a decision based off the evidence. I think they swear to make a decision yeah, right. based off the evidence and based off of their social schedule, I don't think is the evidence. Yeah, uh, seems like an ethical issue. Well, it's also an old judge trick there, like hold them past the hour, get them a little hungry, tell them they can go home and, if, uh, and eat dinner if, if they come to a verdict and all of a sudden- They uh, do. <laughs> all of a sudden they start deliberating really well. So yeah. sometimes mm -hmm. they call it, smoke them out. Yeah, mm. that's fair. So like, let's say if, like this scenario came out and someone was like, hey, this is actually what happened. Would that be a mistrial or would it just be like, that sucks, sorry? Yeah, that's another. So juror misconduct, um, that's a, a really likely appeal. It's something that you see lawyers spend a lot of time on. After a verdict, they hire private investigators and gotcha. go talk to jurors. And juror misconduct is a really common basis of appeal. I would say the second most common basis of appeal is some sort of a jury note that is not handled correctly by the court, um, either put on the record or put into the court file or addressed uh, properly. Mm -hmm. Didn't that happen on the Murdoch trial where, I mean, I think they had to replace a couple of jurors, but the last one I think was, I thought they had found out that one of the jurors had talked to a family member about the case and so they got removed. Yeah, there's uh, there's a million variations of that, but it's even more common now. Um, I know there was a case here. It was a big civil case against Harley Davidson for a, a technical problem with a motorcycle, and someone had made some comment about they never ridden a motorcycle, and one of the lawyers got on their social media over the weekend and there was one. Th there was a motorcycle, and they were making comments about the trial and the lawyers and all sorts oh of God. stuff. And like, uh, hello. Yeah, can't do that. Can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you, you so lied. Does that? And, and that was a mistrial. They they granted Yeah, I was going to say it opens up opportunity to like appeal too. And yeah. okay, cool. All right, let me see which one do I like. Ooh, okay. I'm going to end with my favorite one. All right. So this other one is: What if you can't pass a field sobriety test while sober? So I no longer drive since I've developed a seizure disorder in my 30s, but I was born with a neurological disorder, but was able to um, obtain a license. Basically, this person is asking um, because they've traveled over the United States that they've been pulled over a couple times. If they had been asked to do a sobriety test, they wouldn't have been able to pass based off of their illness. So what if that happens? Yeah, and there's other variations of that. Uh, so standardized field sobriety tests are a clue, right? There's uh, blood tests, breath tests, all that kind of stuff. And, and 
that sounds like a really serious circumstance, but you also have people just with simple knee injuries, ankle injuries, that they can't exhibit the balance and coordination because of an injury. Yeah. And, and you got to let the police officer know. There's always a, there's also a funny comment that sometimes people say is I couldn't do this even if I was sober. Yes. Uh, like don't, hop on one leg. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't say that. Walk in a straight line. <laughs> Free legal advice. Don't say that. Um, you mean even if I was sober? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, and people try variations of that answer. And what I would say is your medical records should support. If we can go and say you got 20 years of treating for neurological problems, and here's the medical records. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty strong argument. Yeah. If if they say, oh, I have all these neurological problems. I'm thinking about going to the doctor next week to address them, even though I've had them for 20 years. Yeah. That's probably not going to fly. Might be harder to prove. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. That's wild because, like, my mom has had wrist issues all her life, and she has never documented them. So now she's trying to, I don't know if it's necessarily, like, getting back pay for something, but she has to have this documentation that she doesn't have. And it's like, that's not good when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. What is, do you have another one? Yes. I think this is my last one. Okay. So wondering why prosecution wouldn't bring up history of abuse. I served as a juror on a DV case. There were something like 12 counts, assault on household members, strangulation, battery, etc. From three distinct episodes over a span of about three years. There were photos of the injuries, texts of the victim asking for help from neighbors, police reports, a lot of evidence. Something that baffled me, though, is that the prosecution didn't try and make the case that this relationship was abusive apart from the isolated incidences. Is the absence of that line of reasoning normal for a case like this? And I think um, in there it also says that part of the evidence was redacted. Yeah, so... Like a police report. Yeah, part of the initial report was partially redacted. And so, so this was probably a ruling by the judge, and it's sometimes referred to as prior bad act evidence, um, sometimes referred to as Molyneux or Sandoval evidence, um, depending on how it's introduced. And the concern, and this was a big thing, and it's, a, I think, in the Murdoch trial that we've been watching a little bit, it's a, it's a big thing. And the concern is always the prosecution can prove up that this this person who's accused of a particular crime has done bad things in the past. And now the jury hates that person, not because of what they're on trial for here, but what they can show they did other times. And that's how you get potentially innocent people convicted because the juror really dislikes them. And now they're more likely to believe that they committed this crime, even though the evidence doesn't necessarily show that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what you'll, what the judge, a lot of judges will do is some kind of compromise where they can say, have you been um, convicted of a crime in the past? Yes, but you're not going to let the uh, prosecutor get into the details of uh, a a really similar fact pattern. And uh, which is kind of crazy. Like, how is that? How does that work? If you have a history of breaking in somewhere, and then the sixth time you get caught, and they're like, "Oh, but you can't talk about that." Yeah. That is. How is that fair? That, but, uh, that's tough because I can kind of see where you're saying like, oh, you can't bring the past against them, but like the past is what got you here, essentially. Potentially. Potentially. That's you fair. To, you have to remember you're on trial for these specific allegations. The okay. indictment or the complaint say 
on this date at this time you did this thing. Mm -hmm. And and most judges will say the more similar the prior bad act is, mm -hmm. the less likely they're going to let the prosecution bring it in because human nature is if you did it the last time you probably did it this time. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and they, they would say that it's overly prejudicial. Mm. Uh, but but really broad discretion to judges in New York to allow that in or not into evidence. Okay. What was the term that you used? Sandov Sandoval? San Sandoval. Sandoval, yeah. like Tom Sandoval that everyone hates. Yep. So these are cases. <laughs> I don't know who that is. So these you know, ideas. From Vanderpump Rules. Oh, God. These ideas are you know. from cases that, that were in the past. So people v. Sandoval, people v. Molyneux, those are where um, the Court of Appeals of New York State has laid out the rules. And gotcha. this is, you know, they call it precedent, legal precedent. And we look at old cases to say this is what the law is. You don't know who Tom Sandoval is, do you? From Vanderpump Rules. Come on, tell me you've read page six lately. How do you not know? Some, we got to work for a living. Oh, I feel like that was all gibberish. <laughs> I need new people to interview. <laughs> needs more work. <laughs> all right, my, my last one is, would it be illegal to methodically deliver wedding invites to houses in wealthy neighborhoods in my city and hope that they send a present? I say no. If they're stupid enough to send it. I say, say no, too. Right? Like, if hmm. you send, it's like the same thing as if any company sends a flyer to buy something, right? Like, yeah. it's not, it's not like solicitation as in, like, you're going up to them and knocking on the door and saying, come to my wedding yeah. <laughs> and give me money. <laughs> There's, I would say, don't do it across state lines. Uh, <laughs> Because everything in the world is wire fraud. If yep. you don't know okay. what, if something feels bad, it's probably wire fraud. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's smart. It seems like a business plan, a great business strategy. I Didn't, just feel like you would have a lot of, I mean, if, as long as you don't put a return address, nobody can really get that mad at you, right? Well, who's going to send money to a... Oh, I mean, a random. <laughs> I just feel like, regardless, someone's going to be upset. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, or maybe they'll think it's the wrong address and then just get rid of it. But I feel like people do um, send invites to like celebrities and public figures because they assume that it's going to go to the assistant and that they're just going to like write the check because they know so many people, and then it just gets sent to back to the people yeah, getting married. So one of my buddies gets married to a woman. And she, before she dated my friend, dated mm -hmm. a guy who's in the NFL now. And she's like, babe, we really got to invite this guy to our wedding. He's, he's like, what are you talking about? We're going to invite your ex-boyfriend to our wedding? Yes, she's yes. like, he's yes, going to yes. send a great gift. And he's like, okay, we'll, we'll invite uh, him. The one time it's worth it. <laughs> Didn't you say your cousin? It, I mean, this kind of fell under it, right? Yes. Um, my cousin and her wife are obsessed with Katy Perry and Lady Gaga, respectively. Um she, my cousin Haley invited Katy Perry to the wedding, but I think she did end up sending something because she couldn't make it, obviously. But on a totally different related note, my cousin also owns a what, like engagement ring company, and she made this ring for Katy Perry and gave it to her on New oh, Year's Eve. That's all I got to say. Nice. Um, but that's besides the point. Um, she didn't ever come to the wedding, but I wouldn't be surprised if she sent a gift because my cousin knows her. And that's, that's all. That's it. <laughs> And Lady Gaga too. Yes, um, my cousin's wife has met Lady Gaga a bunch, and they, they like literally just try fly all over the world and just see them in concert and nice. hang out with them. And so, what they invited them to the wedding? Yeah, but you know they're like all across the country. You know, 
they both live in But exactly, the like, they don't have to send me, yeah. but you could send the invite and just see what happens. I would ask, but I feel like that's not an appropriate question to ask them, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely true. Yeah, I, would, I believe it. I would get married just so Lady Gaga would come to my wedding. I, you know... <laughs> I agree. I'll figure out the details yeah. later. <laughs> I'll get you in touch with my cousin. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> She's got connections. That's great. Quality legal advice here today. Yep. Quality. 